Welcome to another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents. Hope you're having a beautiful day. This is Tuesday, September 21st. Just enjoying. I'm looking through. I got a black book here. It says Calvin Klein Jeans. No doubt this came from some sort of thrift store someone gave to me. I used to carry this in my pockets when I worked as a uh, department manager. And I would pull it out and just write down various things. And <laughs> these. There's names uh, to use for uh, Twitter or podcasts, or I guess they're they're more like handles or one word where you put different letters in um, in a row. Um, I used to use the term pun punographic because you'd say things that are that are a pun, and it's a playoff of pornographic and and so forth. Um, I saw also that I have a page of song lyrics in here. Before the days of, if you guys don't have this, you can download Shazam, which is a great little app. You didn't know what a song was. You might have to take the lyrics and try to figure it out. Maybe ask somebody, hum it to somebody. I mean, see, these were embarrassing situations. Uh, and I would take the lyrics, and you put quotations around each side, and you can put them into Bing, Google. Um, and you can go look it up, and, and maybe... If there's if it's popular enough, the lyrics are published. Uh, quick side note about that side story: friend friend of mine, John and I, who were old wrestling friends, brought up John many times. Um, he would send me clips of these Japanese mixed martial arts events, wrestling events, and they're using great songs by well-known bands, Rammstein, Metallica, and so forth. And these bands. Um, who are playing in the background also have you know many thousands of people cheering over top of them. There's a Japanese announcer speaking a different language over top of them. So to be able to uh, figure out the lyrics of the song, to then go and search for it would make you you know. Now maybe if you kind of could figure out the tone of the singer, he sounded familiar. You could go searching through the library of songs by that band. But it was those were difficult times. There's still songs that we've not figured out i've got the recordings on my computer where he would send them to me um and just enjoy myself there's a lot of random notes in this book heaven's door somebody should make a heaven's door belt buckle so it should have a knocker on it on your belt buckle above your penis i guess there's a nice random idea what counteracts high fructose corn syrup so if you want to keep drinking your soda and eating your ketchup what would be the item you could use to neutralize that which is kind of ridiculous, right? You could just eat all you want and then have liposuction, right? That'd be a good counteract. Uh, look good, feel better. One of my old slogans. Here's the other one. If you're, This is where it originally got written down. When you're capable of anything, they'll believe everything. And that's been amended a few times. Um, the science of promises. Ooh, I like that a lot. Another Michael Craver original. We're gonna we're gonna make us a nice written piece out of that because you can use it cerebellically, right? You can take it and you can say, "Here is the science behind promises." People receive the promises. They have this uh, neurological reaction. You have this physical uh, intention, and and you know you're gonna hold yourself accountable. So, what's the science behind it? Is it healthy? Well, it's not healthy if you don't keep your promises because then you feel guilty and you have depression and you know all kinds of things that can be the fallout or the collateral damage from not keeping your promises. Health issues, real measurable health issues, higher blood pressure, things of this nature. Uh, still, it's awful. 
What does this say? Only plebotomists can use the word's name in vain. Use the Lord's name in vain. Oh, plebotomists can use the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> oh. Vegans practice meatism. I guess they're, they're, they're profiling against the people who eat the meat. Boy, I have a weird brain. These are about 10 years old. They're probably from 2011. I just start rounding up decades. If you are not noticed this about me as we're talking, as I'm talking, you're listening. Uh, I just start rounding up decades. If it's been eight, if it's been over five years, it's probably gonna be probably gonna get called a decade. If it happened in 1999, that was a different decade. Doesn't matter. 2009 to 1999, different decade. 2001 to 1999, different decade. Uh, I believe that's all we're gonna go through here. I had written down some Q and A questions. That's where we were going today, and I've been. I ask some very interesting things, and people will jump right back in. As soon as I record a podcast, tell me what they think. Hey, man, you're really staying on point. You're not doing the thing where you start five different ideas and you bring them together later. So it's not as confusing for me. And I'm like, all right, well, that's good for you. I um, One of the main things that people ask me is, like, how much of what I say is true? I said, it's absolutely true. Now, the things that I write, okay, like, have I been on a first date? That involved meeting someone at the grocery store to prepare a meal and ending with, uh, you know, some sort of platonic slumber. No, uh, I have met someone at the grocery store and gone shopping or so forth, right? We, we've been in a relationship or it was not the first meeting. So those circumstances are a little out of sorts. It is the best circumstances for the story to get the most impact out of it. It's a great first date story. Different apps and, and things, we call that a conversation starter. Where would you have your ideal first date? What would you do to, to sort of get the ball rolling? Say something, you know, unique. Get her creativity, you know, just sort of that imagination flowing. Yeah, okay. Think about this, baby. You know, it's a good little deal. Not everybody knows how to cook. Not everybody wants to shop with a woman. I mean, you ever been out shopping? You ever held her clothes and had to sit outside the waiting room and you don't want to pull your phone out and be rude and scroll through and play words with friends or word searches or like I I love uh, Candy Crush but I I run out of lives you know because I I I don't use all the extra friends give you lives and bonuses and all that stuff so I run out real fast. Uh, used to have Angry Birds on the phone but I deleted all that stuff a long time ago because I feel like it just runs your battery down. So you ever go shopping with a woman? Have to hold her clothes? Have to be dishonest? You're not bringing clarity and you're not bringing truth. That's dishonesty. How does this look? Makes you look like your grandma. You know, My mother always said to me, Michael, you're my favorite shopping partner because you just be honest with me. Like, hey, uh, you know, Mom, are you willing? Are you trying to buy that to fit into family photos so you guys look the same? And what do you mean? Because, you, you know, it looks like something Grandma would wear. And she'd be like, oh. And she'd put it down. And she knew exactly what I meant. And she could see it right away. You just picture your mother's head on that dress. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, don't buy it. <laughs> <It's>, you <know. laughs> Unless you're at the bridal store and you're all going to wear matching outfits. You know, this is not your sense of style that matches her sense of style from a couple of or more decades before. You're not from that time period. You've not aged into <laughs> into those choices just yet. <laughs> and if you've, you know, the other stories that I've written about first dates, like hiking and stuff like that, I've uh, never been on a hiking date uh, with anybody. Um, it's an idea. Uh, walking, I don't know if you call it a date. I mean, 
the girl I was seeing didn't call it a date. You know, it was just us walking. There might have been dinner before, or after, or spending the night or something, but like it was never referred to that way. Very, I don't know, very unclear about it. The if you were to put labels on it, what it would be, or uh, yeah, I mean that's the best way to say it. trying to think if there's any other there's a dating story about a piece of driftwood that becomes someone's mantle it's called the square root of dreams it's one of my favorite things i've written but i almost think that there's so much going on in that story it's confusing if you made it into a a 45 minute you know student film or something it would be easy to explain but reading it i think it's hard to follow i'll be very clear i think a lot of things that i write are hard to follow um, so no, nobody's, nobody's ever, you know, the way that piece is written is, is if two people are running on the beach, he's carrying her on his back and they fall down and they fall apart and they're never going to be the same again. And he goes and gets the car and packs up the hotel room and leaves her on the beach. Well, the whole point of the story is he's in awe because he found the perfect piece of driftwood to be the mantle in their home and they got to have it and got to get out of there and got to go home right now. And you're taking it home. They can't just leave it. Right. And I write the rest of the story in this very darker tone where it's like they're, they can't sit in the car together. They can't hold hands together. They can't do – yeah, because the driftwood is between them, right? That's why he left her on the beach and he went and packed up the hotel room because he didn't want her to lose the – right? I mean it makes sense later. Like you could say it in a very straightforward way, but I didn't reveal what the, the, the thing that kept them apart was till the end. And I kept talking about division, and this woman sent me a message, and she says, it's, a, it's such a shame when people get divorced like that. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? These people took a piece of driftwood home, they were going to mount it, make it the centerpiece for their house, and then they were going to have to find their next great, you know, adventure. <laughs> what the, you know, I don't know. Comprehension's not for everybody. It's, it's, uh, it makes you, <laughs> makes you think. And Anthony, who is so funny, was talking to me about rap music as a side note. This is another piece. Anthony was talking about how I, I sent him some sort of, what were we talking about? It was something about being outside, and I said, Ice Cube says Buffalo Girls go around the outside, which I think is true. I should Google this. And he said Eminem says Trailer Park Girls go around the outside. And he says... You know, I don't know what that means. And I said, I don't know what the other one means either. And as I was saying comprehension, um, I thought to myself, um, you know, if you're out there and you're rapping and you're saying things people just don't understand, that's a whole new word. That's called Comptonhension. You like that? I like that Comptonhension. I don't know. It sounds funny. It sounds like something should be in a Facebook meme. Um but I just thought of that while I was while I was sitting here. Bop Gun by Ice Cube and George Clinton. If you've never heard the song, it's so good. It's one of my favorite videos from the fucking 90s. I had forgotten that. It's so good. I want to just play it right now. I, Bop Gun is going to end up being the entrance and exit music of this episode. I always add the song after. I don't really mention it. The last couple of episodes I've done that with, with uh, Back to School with Angry Young Man from Sticks. So... Uh, try to keep it under 15 seconds to keep the copyright uh, people from, from coming after me with what's called a DMCA um, Act. And uh, that stands for Digital Media. Is it Digital Media? 
Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Yeah. That's where they go after on YouTube and get your, your channel uh, a strike or they get the uh, content demonetized where you can't make money off of it or you have to take the music out of it or they, or they get it muted. So uh, we're trying to avoid that while we're doing that stuff. So, yes, some of the stories are based on ideas or, or loose uh, experiences, as I said about this podcast in the newest description, is based on a true story. Uh, but some of it is a little uh, is, a, is a little exaggerated. Though I've said very clearly, my high school stories and stuff are not exaggerated. So it's up to you. It's like the see through the bluff thing. Every now and then I say something and I'm full of shit. And every now and then you got to be the judge of that. You got to figure it out. It's like when you're messing with your kids. You know, you say something. You say it to them in a way that they need to figure out what's true and what ain't true. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? You need to be able to, to, to give people that litmus test so that they can have some way of deciphering when people are being dishonest. Because you don't want some shyster to come into your life and have the upper hand on you like you've never seen deception before. You need to know what it looks like. Uh, if you want to know what deception looks like in its finest uh, or in the, the most entertaining way, Quentin Tarantino wrote this wonderful script and i believe it's i believe it's from 1989 it's called pure romance it's between um christian slater and he is a guy who's a young man he wants to run off and get married and be rich and then his dad is in his hopper but he's being chased true romance it's true romance don't put in pure romance <laughs> that, that apparently brings up some different things on google but True Romance has a scene with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken, and it might be some of Christopher Walken's greatest work. It's directed by uh, Tony Scott, who did uh, wonderful things. I believe Tony Scott. Am I wrong about this? He did The Last Boy Scout and, uh, uh, yeah, The Fan with Wesley Snipes. and st- Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff from Tony Snipes. Or, or Tony uh, Scott and then Wesley Snipes and some of those. But I, um, I've enjoyed seeing those deceptive sort of movies where you have the guy who's full of shit and the other guy knows he's full of shit and you know just you just kind of shake hands about it and you're like <laughs> you're so full of shit i remember being at kfc when i was a manager and i wore a badge around my neck because you were not supposed to you're not even supposed to have anything hanging no necklace no nothing but i did it to mock the uniform code and so they'd tell me to stop but they never did so i bought a lanyard with the little plastic holder and put my manager card in there with the magnetic strip, so you have to swipe for approval. Okay, But on the other side, I printed out a picture of my newborn son, who was born in September. And they were supposed to be giving me a raise and some other stuff uh, after that. And so every time one of the regional managers would come by, and this is another one of my MLC, the MLC lingo, the one-hand man, I call him. Now what that means is, the guy is less than five spots. You got one hand, you got one thumb, four fingers. He's less than five spots from running the company. So he was an executive vice president, a regional vice president, whatever. His name was Dwayne McIntyre. And Dwayne would come through and he'd say, hello, how you doing, Michael? You know, we're working on your stuff for you. And I was like, yeah, sure you are. And I would turn around and show him the picture of my son that was behind the magnetic card. And I said, well, here's my newborn boy. And he's looking for his dad to be promoted and live his best life. And, you know, and he's like, yeah, we're working on that for you. And I was like, yeah, but you are. And so <laughs> you just, you know, it's that George Cartland talks about the bis- the big businessman smile, you know, that he has to have while he's trying to make the most money and he's still trying to fuck you. And um, I don't like, you know, thinking that people are deceptive like that, but obviously there's profit margins and there's, there's, people who want to be compensated for their contributions. 
which is all I was looking for. And I guess Dwayne at the same time was trying to maximize uh, on labor or whatever. And I thought, I'm a pretty good asset, man. Try to keep me around. But yeah, that's when you're, when you're full of shit like that, that stuff can happen. So there are things that are exaggerated. There are times that I tell hypocritical items in the podcast. To be a fool, I've talked about this in the Don't Be a Bitch episode. You got to know when to when to play the fool, and sometimes you got to stand up for yourself. And several people have been saying that to me, like, all the time now. Don't be a bitch! <laughs> like, all right, thanks. Thanks for... <laughs> but Mr. Fuji is the worst, you know. Y'all are doing a great job. <laughs> I was like, shit. I invented these things to antagonize people. Not for people to use them to antagonize me. All right? So... <laughs> I'm supposed to have diplomatic immunity, but I don't. And uh, and I, and and I know my my buddy John and I we've watched Lethal Weapon too a, a gigantic number of times. We're not in favor of diplomatic immunity. As uh, what's ah, his name is uh, he calls him Hitler. He calls him uh, he calls him Adolf. But his name is uh, Albavard. No, Albavarden is the ship. Well, anyway, the wonderful movie. And I believe the guy's from the Home Alone movies, the, the guy who's the white-headed evil. Oh, he's the bad guy in Bill and Ted uh, in the future. I know that for sure in Lethal Weapon. Uh, but diplomatic immunity is one of the main themes of the movie. They can't arrest the guy. He's from the South African consulate. And they're going to fuck him up. And one of my most quoted things that we we use, um, and I, nobody's used this for the protests or the march or anything, but maybe they have to think about it. There's a scene where Danny Glover says he wants to go to South Africa, and the, the people at the uh, South African consulate, the people at the um, embassy, tell him that's not a good idea. You don't want to go to South Africa? He's like, why don't I want to go to South Africa? And he's like, because you're black. <laughs> he's like, of course I want to go. That's why I want to go, because I'm black. Ain't I black? And he's talking to Joe Pesci. And Joe Pesci's like, yeah, he is. You are. <laughs> he says, that's why I want to go to South Africa, to free my oppressed brothers. <laughs> he says something about, uh, John's going to, he's going to disown me now because I don't know this quote off the top of my head. He says, I want to I free my oppressed brothers against the regime, the oppressious white regime. Is that what it is? You, you got me. And he, he says, one man, one vote. One man, and then Joe Pesci's chiming in from the from the crowd, like the cl- the chorus over there. You know, I'm getting so excited. I'm stuttering saying this. It's one of my favorite things. Punch it up on Google. Punch it up on on YouTube. But Danny Glover is he says he says one man, one vote, one man, one vote. <laughs> Joe Pesci's jumping right in, and he says to free South Africa, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't believe Joe Pesci jumps in, you dumb son of a bitch. And they, they go to throw him out of the consulate and stuff. But uh, I just, I've had so much fun with different, you know, something like that. Like I start talking about uh, antagonizing people and being full of shit and it leads into this and these are the sayings and I should have immunity and immunity leads me to lethal weapon. Now I'm telling a story from lethal weapon. And sometimes it's hard for people to follow those things, but really it's just like, it's a little tournament bracket, like you're making your March Madness bracket. Here's where I started. I went to this word, this word, this word, this word. And and we're there. And, you know, it's it's all about having some fun. It's all about creativity. How far, how many layers can you take it? How many things can you do with it? 
I talked about in the last, in a couple episodes ago how you know women you would want a guy who has all of these different skills, right? You don't just love Lowry seasoning because you can because it's Lowry seasoning. It's because you can use it on meat and fries and steak and whatever that you might be wanting to do with this item that you have in your home. It serves many different purposes, and that is the most appealing thing that you can do in terms of profession, in terms of your home, your relationship. Have dexterity. Have these extra character traits that other people just don't see, that other people get from you. Oh, you don't want to be around Michael. He's sour. He's, oh, yeah? Yeah, he's so sour, whatever, whatever. And then you learn that if you'll, like, listen to me and talk to me, I'm one of the most fucking helpful people you'll ever have around. Now, you might have to listen to me while I'm doing something with my toolbox or, you know, you you put me on a project and, and we're having this discourse. But at the end of it, you've got something really beautiful with good craftsmanship and somebody who did something out of love. And then maybe you have a conversation that you see a different perspective. Maybe you're just fucking annoyed. But when I walk away, as annoyed as I might have been, uh, or as annoyed as you might have been, that's over. That tension falls out of the air, and whatever beautiful thing we left behind remains. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah, I've thought about that about relationships I've been in, which brings me to the second thing. People have asked me about the soulmate situation. And I said, you know, essentially it's a girl that I used to date. We lived together. We had... Uh, we conceived a child together um, that she didn't, you know, she made a decision. So we uh, continued to get along, and I put some different money into different uh, training for her and into her business and making sure that she had um, good-looking stuff or if she needed something written. She, you know, she would ask, I need somebody to write up something for my email or, you know, help me design my business cards or whatever it might be. And I said, you know, that's that's something that you can run by a bunch of people. I'll give you something you can think about, but if you don't like it, change it, you know. But same time, like my writing quality and her writing quality, you know, it was two different worlds. And I look at it and I say, well, here's something I'm I'm handing to you. I'm giving this to you so you can do what you want with it. That's the reason I'm so careful with gifts. I don't want to give you something you're not going to use. I'm just, you know, I worked hard. For, you know, I don't like to work if I don't have to. So I give it to her. And she, oh, this is just not me. And I thought, then bring yourself up to that level. And, you know, yes, this is forward thinking. It's sophisticated. It's where you need to be and right now, really. But if you're not going to be there for 10 years, at least use the language and use it as a vision board or a guide or something to get there. I mean, fuck, don't take everything I say and then turn it into some language from a kid's cartoon, you know, full of emojis and question marks and exclamation points. And... Oh, I've seen people take some beautiful things that I've given to them and, you know, like a work of art, a Picasso. And they took that some bitch and cut the canvas out of the frame and made origami and paper airplanes with it and threw it away. <laughs> oh, they just they don't realize the value of what's sitting right in front of you. Sometimes you don't until the future. And by then, you know, as, as kid, is it Nickelback? Uh, Kid Rock, who's who's telling the story in the song about a photograph or whatever that uh, there's creases in the photograph she can't get out. So, you know, it's that's the situation though. You're you're sitting, you know, on on a gold mine. You all know it. You know, so 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 difficult to to watch that happen from a place of wisdom. You know, you you hand somebody. Something and you know you give this kid a, a calculator and he uses it as a cup holder or something you know. It's like, oh, I can't send texts from this. 
I can't browse Facebook on my TI-81 calculator. No, you can't. But you could get into MIT and buy a house and have a future. Oh, people are just so rough. But the soulmate situation, who she is and what she is. It was a girl I used to date, and she was very, you know, much younger than I was. I was 34 when I met her, I believe. And uh, she was 20 and turned 21 right away. And uh, I saw a note that she wrote me not terribly long ago saying, you know, a lot of heartfelt stuff. And really all she really wanted to do was to have more family time and get the kids together and stuff like that. And um, I never really saw that side of her on a regular basis. It was just something she sat down, wrote really eloquently for my birthday, uh, 2018 maybe. And that was it. And, you know, people lose sight of their vision. That's why I record podcasts all the fucking time. Because a lot of this is me being able to get um, the feedback that people give me interpreted. Just to give me practice to have something that's more refined. But, you know, some of us to kill my lunch break. <laughs> I wouldn't do a podcast every day if I didn't have an hour lunch break. So you're stuck with me if you're listening. That's just how it is. You know. The other thing people ask me, Anthony's asked me, the number three was the wrestling thing. You used to wrestle? You used to professional wrestling? Yes, I was a professional wrestler. I got into it in what we call an outlaw, an outlaw macho promotion there, uh, Nile. And, yeah, we wrestled uh, community centers, VFWs, YMCAs, National Guard armories, a couple of bigger places. But, you know, I never really got my feet wet into something big. We were in the back of Pro Wrestling Illustrated because they sent us, um, we sent in results to, I still have her email somewhere, is it Tammy or something? But it was like, you know, PWI, whatever her name was, Stephanie, Steph or something, at Hotmail or whatever, and you send her the results, and they put them in the back of the magazine. It's that that simple. If you've ever read the PWI 500, it's bullshit. They fuck with the first, like, hundred wrestlers. But then beyond that, below it, it's a lot of people who are independent wrestlers. They send them, they email them their stats, their email, their, um, I'm sorry, their stats and uh, photographs and and just a description and things that they would want want put into the magazine. And then they format that and mess around with it based on whatever subjective criteria but you submit yourself they're not out there grabbing pictures and asking people and buying photos and stuff no it's most of the rest of the magazine especially back then when there was not the prominent social media and ways to trade um videos or or we didn't have you know our own facebook pages and everything else it was it was rarer back then so you had to submit it all today maybe there's somebody who's digging that stuff up or some super fan who's doing the work for them but if you're in wrestling magazines, a lot of it's just mailed in. It's not because they're um, diligent, diligent, diligent journalists who are going to come out and and then go back and you know and put that into their publication. No, it's it's completely up to you. And the shows I did, you know, I did a lot of benefit shows and charity shows and uh, what we call sold shows, where a company would pay and we would go wrestle and then would drag people into the you know wherever the place was. And uh, we had some fun. I mean, you know, I can remember doing, never saw anybody else do a moonsault off an ice machine before. You know, and, I, and people will bring stuff like that up to me every now and then. You remember when you jumped off the top of that cage? You know, you could have, and I could, I could touch the top of the National Guard armory. If you've ever been in one, I guess it's 25, 20 feet high, whatever it is. But you get up there and you touch it. And you look down on people and they're like, holy crap. And then you reach up and you touch part of the structure. 
Because then it lets them know, like, you're not just up there. You're all the way up there. <laughs> like, holy hell. Um, the ice machine thing was cool. I got us thrown off a TV. At least that was part of the story I was told. We were wrestling in this TV studio, and me and my partner. Was it Chris that did it? Yes. Me and Chris had a one-on-one match. It would have been on September 16th, 2000. Or September 23rd. But anyway, the first time I think we wrestled on TV, I'm pretty sure about this, was September 9th. And by the second, I think we taped two weeks, and then we came back. I think that's right. But anyway, uh, we were having a one-on-one match, and Chris beats me up, and I'm, you know, and I fall out of the ropes, and I'm grabbing on the ropes. I'm trying to stand back up, so I'm in the ring. I'm sorry, I'm out of the ring. He's in the ring, but, you know, I'm the ring ain't that far from... We're in this movie studio, so there's walls all around the ring. I mean, they're not that, they're not that far away, eight feet or whatever. And Chris takes off, and he hits me, and I go flying off the ring. And I hit the wall and fell down. And I got told later that we were in big trouble because somebody went right through the drywall and all this shit, and that was a big deal. And I was like, oh, that was me. I don't remember speaking up. I, it's probably on video. I probably got the video. But... uh it it took. I think there was some some business matters between uh, the guy who ran our company and the TV studio. But uh, I was told that was not a flattering situation, and it did not lead to us wanting to be uh, brought back and and uh, and honorably uh, showcased on TV six uh, from Hollywood Studios in in Martinsville, Virginia. Um, so yeah, that was wrestling was a it was a fun part of my life. I got to travel around. I met the mother of my kids that way, and. Uh, you know, what that story is really simple. Uh, she took pictures. She ran a website for. She went to judo with a with um, a guy in uh, Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and the judo coach's name is Mickey Heath, and he was the judo Olympic coach back then, or one of the alternate coaches. And um, the girl I met, you know, the mother of my children, she, she used to drive a race car, and she was very, you know, rode horses and everything, and. Uh, just emailed me and was like, hey, you know, you were in this six-man tag match with, you know, this other guy. His name was Matrix. And I was like, yeah, I was. And she was like, well, I've got some... It was back and forth on Yahoo email, if I had to guess. And she said, well, I've got pictures of the matches if you'd like to see them. And I guess she had... She was hinting around that, like, hey, he's single, he's young, and got blonde hair, and had these huge eyebrows. And So I don't know if I was good-looking back then. If... Uh, Anybody who asks, I've got some photographs. You can you can see them. <laughs> I'm not sharing them publicly just yet. But um, we met, and we ended up hitting off, and, and, and had a few hitches along the way, but we got married in, in 04, and we're together a good while, a long while, um, more than a decade, and uh, great kids out of it. So wrestling brought me that. And I got to like scratch my itch, and uh, with the way that wrestling turned out, where the other two, it was three big companies, two closed. I mean, I wasn't gonna stay in it. I didn't really like traveling that much anyway. I've I've never been a big, you know. Uh, I think about that Dixie Chicks song, the traveling soldier or whatever. I don't wanna be traveling. Fuck that. It's just a way to, you know, you're gone. And by the time you come home, you you know you've you've missed all that time. No matter what memories you bring home with you, I'd rather. Um, I don't know. I, I like what I consider home more than I consider um, out there just uh, uh, soaking up. You know, I'm not an archaeologist or something. I'm not out there just to, you know. 
I like being creative right where I'm at, no matter where I'm at. I, I carry around my spiral notebook with me, or I've got the Blogger app on my phone where I start and, and play with ideas in my for my website. And uh, yeah, I was it, it, as a matter of fact, someone asked me about writing, and that was the next question I had written here: so wrestling and then writing. Uh, Jordan Peterson, I was watching this <clears throat> video of him speaking at the uh, University of uh, wherever in Amsterdam. Uh, it's I think it's September. 20th of 2018 or 19 um but he, he's given this talk and let me i wrote down the quotes where are they at here and he said he said why write if you don't have yeah i put this on my my social media why write if you don't have a problem you write about things you find important and see if you can discover what you believe to be true and i think that's absolutely true about what i write i i, I tend to think that many things that he say is many many things that he say I feel like I'm on hee haw. I'm lazy and shiftless. I'm from hee haw. Many things that Jordan Peterson uh has to say uh are very descriptive of, of life in general and people find that they are very visceral. I mean they're they're very accurate. And you hear him talk and you're like, you know what? That applies to me. He talks so, you know, broadly and about such big ideas and then, you know, you think about it and you're like, man, it's just like I'm trying to understand and absorb all this. But then he'll say something like that that is specific to me. And that draws me in just a little bit more. I'm like, ah, that part I can verify. That has validity. The rest of it, you know, you're you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to keep up with the man. I hope sometimes that that's true about me, that uh, people are trying to keep up with me uh, and just, you know, you know, what do you, they want to know. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Okay. We're all one race? Yeah. That's what that whole color of vanity, I think it's the third episode, is about. We're all one species. Like, why, why would you treat anybody any different? You know, the first episode reverts back, reverts back to that. You know, the open door thing. Just talk to people and acknowledge people. We're all part of the same species. You live on the same planet. In the same, you know, you're in the same space. Say hello. Have some, some goddamn common courtesy for people. You know, if something doesn't belong to you, don't mess with it, you know? And and privacy, too. I mean, that was one of the big fallouts I had with the soulmate girl. You know, she was all about, like, you know, she wanted, like she was the fucking IRS or something. You wanted to dig through the computer and the phone and the whatever. And I just looked at it, and I was like, no. No, because you know, ideas are, like, sacred to me until I develop them and use them. And Other conversations that I have with folks are all over the place, really. And... If you understand the basic principle that I'm just trying to spend my time and enjoy great experiences just exchanging uh, energy with people. You know, maybe it's somebody you work with and you want to put a smile on their face. Maybe it's somebody who's got a terrible Facebook status and you just want to say hello to them and ask if there's anything you can do for them. You know, and say it like that because then they can ask you, oh, I need $100. And, you know, well, I, that's not something I can do for you. Uh, and can and, and won't is, is two different words, but can is, you know, you can... There's a lot of reasons to come up with why you can't. But, you know, it it's never hurts to just ask people and make them feel like, you know, somebody's acknowledging them. It doesn't take away that you didn't help, but that's the second step in any process. The first one you've already accomplished, right? You already gave a fuck. Anyway, lunch break's almost over, and I'm going to jump in the shower because I'm sitting here sweating through the photosynthesis. Of the sun coming through my window, cooking me, clearing out my skin. 
And I talked about that in the last episode. Change, climate change, sex change, whatever. This was a change up in and of itself. A little Q&A episode. Now you know a little bit more about the girl I've mentioned about whether any of this stuff is actually true. But a little bit about wrestling, a little bit about writing. I think I'm going to have to make a political episode sometime here. Someone was asking me about why I say that women ruin the world. (laughs) I said, well... So I'll have to dedicate some time to it. So, for uh, the next episode, uh, as Dr. Dre would say, uh, I will be bringing that out. And that will be episode number 23. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you guys have a beautiful, beautiful week. And uh, enjoy this weather out here. If you're spending your time listening to me, hopefully you're doing it through some earbuds or iPhones or on a speaker or something. Because... They won't be here forever. Neither will neither will we, you know. Take care of yourself. As the buffalo girl go round the outside, put a glide in your stride and a dip in your hip. Got Dayton's on the mothership. And you can ring my bell if you need me to pass the